0: Welcome to Important Not Important. My name is Quinn Emmett, and this is science for people who give a shit. And boy, is that ever ring true today. There's a lot going on out there, folks. Our world is changing every single day. You can see it. You can feel it. We give you the tools you need to think better, to feel better, to fight for a better, very different future uh, for everyone. Um... That means, and again, especially today, the context, and that's straight from some of the smartest thinkers on earth, uh, and the action steps you can take to feel better and to build systemic change. Our guests are scientists, futurists, uh, journalists, farmers, uh, educators, CEOs, investors, engineers, even a reverend. Some quick housekeeping before we get started. You can send questions, thoughts, and feedback to us on Twitter at ImportantNotImp, or you can email us at Questions at ImportantNotImportant.com. You can also join tens of thousands of other smart folks and subscribe to our free weekly newsletter at ImportantNotImportant.com. It's the most important science news plus analysis and action steps, uh, so you can get involved. Uh, Lastly, you can hunt for a new, impactful job on the front lines of the future at importantjobs.com. Uh, that's importantjobs.com. If you work for a company or organization already doing that work or looking to get started doing that work, if you need a, your first sustainability officer, uh, you can list your open roles there for incredibly affordable rates. Uh, our goal is to move the needle of progress, not bake a bunch of money, and you can get them in front of our entire community of amazing shit givers. Uh, As uh, foreshadowed, this week's episode is getting kind of meta, but is hopefully a good step. It's a help for those of you who've been fighting the climate change and and the power structures behind it for a long time, um, but also to everybody new to it. I think there's a lot of folks who are new to it these days, and obviously the show is growing, so we're aware of that. I'm uh, talking today uh, with a friend about retraining our minds uh, to try and understand and operate in this, as he puts it, discontinuity uh, we are in. It's not just one issue. It's not one vote or industry. Um, it is everything. It's it's all encompassing uh, this discontinuity we have built. Um, it will last beyond the rest of our lives. So in order to best execute on it, to operate within it, uh, to build radical, unforeseeable change, we have to come to terms with, what it means to to be in this. Um, again, so we can figure out how to build something new and better uh, that applies to so many more people than it ever has before. Um, but that includes you, too. Um, my guest is, uh, again, there's nobody better talked about uh, this stuff than Alex Steffen. He is a longtime climate reporter, climate futurist. He's the author of the forthcoming book, The Snap Forward. Uh, he's got an incredible blog and podcast that accompany those. Can't recommend them enough. I'm a big fan of Alex's work and the way he thinks and the way he challenges me to think. And I hope this conversation does the same for you. If you're new here, go ahead, scroll back, check out some of our recent episodes, some incredible conversations with amazing people. Uh, How does the universe end? What happens when trees talk to each other and what can we learn from them? What does that mean for climate change? What about carbon offsets? Are they actually bullshit? How do we beat poverty with just a couple bucks? Uh, what is the future of mosquitoes? You can find all those recent episodes. And of course, you're going to want to hit the subscribe button now so you're ready when our next conversations drop. We've got incredible stuff. Coming, And that includes conversation with Isaias Hernandez, who's built an incredible following on Instagram about intersectional environmental justice. We've got a conversation with Twitter's new ethics chief about what's next for that incredible platform. Hit subscribe now so you're delivered to you right on your phone. Please enjoy my conversation with Alex Stefan. my guest today is Alex Stefan and uh, together we're going to try to understand get a little philosophical but also to turn the uh, philosophy practical which is sort of the best version of philosophy how can we try to understand the unknowns uh, about the climate crisis and uh, and what we're what we're very much in what we're dealing with Alex uh, welcome man thanks thanks for having me on Of course, man. Uh, If you could, could you tell everybody uh, real quick who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. My name is Alex Steffen, and I'm a climate futurist. Uh, What I do is I look at big natural systems like climate, um, human systems, the things we've built around ourselves, um, infrastructure, cities, agriculture, uh, education, law, and uh, ask how those two things are changing each other. How what we're doing in terms of what we're building and how we're living is changing the planet. And how the planet, as it changes, is changing us.
0: Yeah, that sounds pretty timely.
1: There's a little bit going on with it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you are uh what did what did Catherine Hayhoe tweet last year? I don't know, I've completely lost track of time at this point, like everybody else, but something about what did she call it? She called it like Cassandra Freud or something like that. About uh, it doesn't it doesn't feel great to be the one shouting from the rooftops this whole time and now uh, absolutely now yeah the
1: the Cassandra effect right you know who yeah, uh, could, yeah exactly who could see the future but nobody believed her right was the Greek
0: myth right um, right and yeah yeah no I I, I th- you've been at this for for far far longer than I have I, I had a you know the real corporate job for a while uh, but it it does feel. Strange. And it felt this way at the beginning of COVID too, where people were like, man, ugh. you know, do, do you feel sometimes it's a little pushy, maybe in a little of like, do you feel justified in in being not doomerism, but I guess being, you know, definitely get the alarmist thing sometimes, you know, or, or how does it feel that everything is going this way or this and that? And it's like, I'm not celebrating. I would more than anything, I would like to be wrong and never do this job again. You know, it's... uh Oh, yeah. No, the it, dream
1: of literally everyone who works on climate and environmental issues is to put themselves out of a job, right? So... Oh, my God. Uh, you yeah. Know, that would be the best case scenario is I have to go find some, you know, honest work to do, you know, become a blacksmith I or mean, a barista or please something. Please, God. You yeah. Know, yeah. You know, we um,
0: we talk... um One of the organizations I really love to support is called Alex's Lemonade Stance, a pediatric cancer organization, and we've had... Their executive co-executive director uh, on a few times was started by his late daughter Alex, and you know he talks about that all the time. He's like, "I don't want to do this fucking job. Why would I? Why would I want to work on kids' cancer all day? It's like it's literally the worst thing in the world. Like my daughter died from it. I want to put myself out of business as soon as humanly possible. Exactly. And uh, you know, as as complicated as uh, as cancer can certainly be, the more we find out about it, it's not some monolith. Um, unfortunately these like you said uh, the the climate systems our ecosystems the the societal and economic systems we have designed and the way they all intersect are just a tad bit more complicated and uh, affecting everyone yeah so
1: well, I was gonna say that uh, you know one of the real difficulties about this moment in time is that we are experiencing negative consequences and we're all pretty aware of that now right people at this point either understand it's happening or are actively, denying that it's happening right um very few people are sort of you know haven't heard that things are changing at this point right um but we are very much you know we all grow up in our own contexts we all are educated and and trained you know to do certain jobs to do certain work um to think about things certain ways we're surrounded by media and culture that tells us you know hey here's what's important here's what's cool here's what's worth looking at and it the, the really difficult thing about doing this kind of work is that the first step to understanding what's going on is understanding that everything has already changed, right? That we're in what I call a discontinuity, right? That that, yeah. that the experiences and expertise that we acquired before don't really work now. And the systems mm-hmm. we've built around us were built for a world that no longer is the world we live on in very literal ways. Um Sure. And it can be very hard when, you know, when the, when the first thing somebody tells you is, okay, now, like, okay, this is going to be easy. You start by just changing everything you thought, right? <laughs> and then we'll take the second step, right? That's, <laughs> sure. that's, that's difficult. And, you know, all of us are attached to what we know, right? Some of us a lot more than others. Some of us have, you know, financial incentives to not sort of see things change, you know, um, uh, maybe, we, you know, somebody works in a polluting industry, or somebody has investments in those industries, or, um, you know, somebody lives in a place that is guaranteed to be hit hard by the changes that are coming, and they don't want to sort of face up to that. They don't want to see their property value drop, for example. You know, some people have direct incentive to not want things to change. A lot of us have sort of indirect and emotional incentives, right? It's hard to think about things changing. It's overwhelming. It can be depressing. Um, the reason why things are changing uh, stems from a failure of, of our civilization to take care of the basic realities of human life, the, the nature around us and how we treat each other. And so, you know, a lot of people have a, have a, have a barrier to wanting to see how much has already changed now. And it, For those folks, and and I think almost all of us have some part of that in us, right? Something that we don't want to acknowledge has changed. For those folks, for those of us who are in that position, that first step of just acknowledging how profound a change in era we have gone through can be impossible, right? There are people who just can't make that leap. There are also a lot of people who don't want other people to make that leap. Right. Sure. You know, I mean, uh, we live in the midst of one of the largest disinformation campaigns ever launched by human beings. Right. The the denialism campaign around climate change, you know, what sure. I call predatory delay. And, uh, you know, and so in the midst of that, each of us is in this unique position of having to, first of all, swallow this really big pill of understanding. right? You know, that like yeah. the entire earth is different than it was 100 years ago.
0: Right? Yeah, it's the matrix moment.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then we have to figure out how we feel about that and what we do about it and how we respond to that reality, right? You know, that's the first step there's a doozy, you know. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, and and you yeah. you have to you have to empathize with folks who again it feels I mentioned offline a little bit like some phone calls I was offering to have with folks at the beginning of COVID when I started to do the math on this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to empathize with folks who, there's all these levels of, I'm ready to hear it, hit me, and they handle it, and then they go to a dark place for a little while. I'm ready to hear it, and then and then it turns out they're not. Um, or, I can't deal with this right now. I've got enough just day-to-day shit on my plate. Um, and then, of course, there's the denialism side of it. But, you know, it's it's a little harder when you've been in this thing for a long time and, and you have to, you know, it's, it's breaking the news to folks. As, as my wife has said, like, I have developed the unique ability to be the bummer in every single conversation, no matter the subject, <laughs> you know, right. like I can, I can ruin just about everything. And it's not the world's most fun superpower. Um, no, no. But, yeah. You know, le- learning how to, how to talk to people and how to shepherd them along because we need all of them. Uh, is something that is, that is important. Um, and, and as much as I want to talk about uncertainties today, you know, like you said, there are certainties that have already happened. Um, clearly, I mean, just look outside, like those things are happening and the fundamentals that, that are, that are the catalysts behind them, like are are already there. And we can explain those to those folks. And then like you said, that's a big enough ask, but to go. And then when they go like, what's going to happen? You're like, I mean, I think, I think, I think these things will probably happen and they're entirely different than anything we've ever experienced since we, you know, bred off from Neanderthals, but, but here's the deal. That's a tough one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a tough one. And I mean, that is the essence of, you know, when I talk about the snap forward, the title of my yeah. forthcoming book and my, yep. and the newsletter and podcast that I'm doing now, when I talk about the snap forward, that's what I'm talking about is that each of us has this process ahead of us. Some of us are already in the midst of it. Some of us are just starting it. Where we are in a very short period of time going to be forced to, to try and understand how much has changed and how many like, uncertainties are built into that, but also how much we definitely know, right? We know yeah. that things are already not the same as they were and will never be again, right? That's yeah. just a, a baseline. Um, and there are lots of parts of this that, are, uh, that can be you know, extremely discouraging. Um, you know, to to work on these issues is to have to process on a regular basis really bad news, right? Yeah. But that's not the whole story. I don't even think it's the largest part of the story, right? There's certainly a lot of change happening. Uh, there's the planetary crisis itself: climate change, biodiversity and ecosystems, toxics, invasive species you know, uh, topsoil loss, water pollution, et cetera, right? There sure. are a whole mess of issues that are related to how we interact with nature. And the news on all of those fronts is terrible, right? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not going well out there, you know, in case that's yeah, news to right. anybody. Um, you know, and the ways in which it is worsening um, are increasing the odds, right? As these problems interact and interconnect, they're accelerating each other and they're increasing the odds that we hit – if not catastrophic tipping points, at least a whole lot of small tipping points, where a system that was working, you know, an ecosystem that was kind of hanging on suddenly collapses, right? Uh, you know, a thing that was working suddenly ceases to work the way we have expected. None of that is good news, right? And and um, and it's it's huge. It's hard to get our heads around how how powerful that shift is, right? It is so powerful that it's changing the rules for human societies. Right, and that—that that is the the nature of of the problem. Right, that uh, you know that when we talk about the planetary crisis, the crisis is that we're still doing old things, but we live in a new world. Right. On top of that, you have the problem of we have long assumed that nature and environmental problems are out there somewhere. You know, that there are things that are happening out in the woods, out in the mountains. There are things that, you know, that hikers and fishermen care about, you know, or whatever. Right. Right. Um, Shark can't
0: eat you if you don't get in the water.
1: Right, right. You know, exactly. And, you know, and so we have really underestimated the degree to which changes in the natural world are triggering even larger changes in the human world. Especially because we've been in denial, we've delayed, we've put things off, we've not acted. And so there's this enormous torque built up yeah. behind every human system on Earth, which is as we recognize what's happening, that torque is getting released. And the changes that we're seeing are happening faster than we've ever seen things happen before. And we're just at the start of that roller coaster ride, right? So you have yep. the natural world, but then you have the human need to respond and react. Sure. And it can be really hard in all that to see that that need to respond and react is also an amazing opportunity, right? That we have…
0: That's the clutch. That's what we're holding on to.
1: Exactly, exactly. We have the necessity of remaking everything. It is possible to remake most things in ways that benefit most people more than our current, like what we think is going on now, right? Sure. And… and you know i actually have found that the more that i engage with this discontinuity with the need to snap forward the more optimistic i feel about what we can be doing right but you know again it takes some new attitudes and one of them that's really hard is we all want there to be we want there to be an orderly transition right, right. we want things to progress smoothly from what we're used to into a new state of being in a way that is in control that doesn't, you know, cost us any more than it has sure. to, you know, all that stuff. And as part of that, we want to we want to believe that there are small things we can do that help yeah. push that orderly transition forward, right? But those small things are always keeping these changes external to our lives and our work mm-hmm. and our families and, you know, our, our most immediate concerns, right? They're always that's out right. there. It's like a charity we do, right? You know, yeah. oh, this is the day we take care of the planet. Sure, of course. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and and that's not how it is, right? I mean, you know, this is, in fact, the context for our lives is this change. It is the main sure. context. Whatever else we think is going on. Part of the discontinuity is that we can no longer keep nature out there and and the human world here and our lives, you know, how we want them to be within it. And so, we're all sort of called to recognize that this is a moment not only of planetary change, but of personal change for every single person on the planet. And that's that's a heavy lift.
0: It's a heavy one. And that's the part where like it diverges from, from that moment in the matrix, you know, where he's like, or you can just go back to your, to your fucking life in your office. Like the difference now is like, you can go back to your life in your office, but recognize that it's all going to, change completely because the, the Mr. Smith and his guys are going to destroy that as well. Like it's not just two worlds anymore. It's not just this whole thing that's been happening and you didn't know about the whole time. That thing is going to intersect with, with your day to day that has felt safe and boring and, and it, everything is going to change and it's already changed and it's going to be actually really difficult for you to not only comprehend what's coming, but what has already happened. You know, when we see the heat that's, you know, what did they say this week? Uh, you know, basically all, all the salmon in the river in Washington are gone. They're, they're just like, that's it. They couldn't survive the heat. Or the billion starfish in the Pacific Northwest is, Northwest that just didn't survive the heat way. And you're going like, how can that happen? You're like, well, that, that's the easy thing to understand. That's literally just temperature. You know, that's t- like, fish aren't made to do that, but it's all the interconnected stuff that's going to that's going to, you know, again, it's, it's, it's all the interconnected stuff that's going to require folks in every part of society to, to look at it and, and take a step back and not only be ready to snap forward, but to, again, like we were talking about offline, like to retrain ourselves to do systems thinking, to look at what we've built and go, oh, if, if X... Then what about like Y and Z and constantly take this step back and going like, what else is that connected to? What else? I wrote a whole thing about like, now is the moment to ask yourself and ask your company and your government, whatever it is, like, what am I exposed to? And you can't just, it's not one level. It's over and over and over, whether it's your investments or whatever it is, because there's just, it's not like when microchips came out and they changed the world and it was great. And that's exciting. And Intel was born, a bunch of people made money. Entire sectors are going away and then everyone is going to have to evaluate their scope three emissions and entire companies aren't going to be able to make it through that. Yeah, and what does that mean from everything from buying your porch furniture to jobs to old forests, you know, to Tonga grass? Like it, it, it just it goes on and on. Yeah, so, and
1: it, and it um, shakes through whole categories of 100%. the way we think, right? So yeah, you know, for example, one of the things that uh you know not just I but a bunch of people have been talking about is how. Uh, When we're trying to figure out risk, right, how much risk are we exposed to, one of the problems is that it no longer actually makes much sense to ask what is exposed to risk, but to try and figure out the things where the risk is small enough that we don't need to worry about them very much, right? And And then look at everything else that is already exposed to risk and change. Right, that the sure. risk is becoming ubiquitous in our society. Right. Um, right. Especially the risk that things will not be as you initially planned for is totally ubiquitous in pretty much every aspect of human society, pretty much everywhere right now. Yeah. Right? And there's some things where, you know, hey, you don't need to worry about that for now. Or like, that's way down our list of concerns. But, you know, that still means there's a whole lot of things above that on the list, right? And 100%. You yeah. Know, and and so there's that that initial problem. There's also the problem that we are we are used to trying to think of 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 these things being things that will get fixed, right? Like, oh, we're exposed to this environmental harm, like a toxin or air pollution. Well, we got to pass some laws, we got to do some things, and it's gonna be fixed. In the best case scenario, we're gonna respond to this massive set of ecological and climate problems and stop things from getting worse or at least not much right. worse. That's the best right. case scenario. We're going to spend the rest of our lives living in the consequences of what people didn't do for the last four decades. And, you know, that's that's a bummer. Um, it, it it really sucks. There's, you know, there's no other way around that, right? That, that no. was a, a horrible, you know, it was a crime, honestly. It was a crime against, 100%. you know, against humanity to have done that. Um, and we did know better. We knew better at the time. People have been saying we should have done things differently for five decades now. Right, You know, I, one of my first gigs as a young reporter was going to the Earth Summit in 1992, right, right. when everyone knew, every single leader of every nation sure. on Earth knew these were problems that were serious then, needed to be addressed, etc., right? But we've had this campaign of disinformation, we've had campaigns of civic sabotage and predatory delay that mean now we just live in the world where that already happened, yep. right? The planetary crisis we once were seeking to avoid has already occurred. And we now live in the midst of it and we're trying to contain its magnitude, right? Right. But part of the problem with this legacy of thinking somebody's going to come along and fix these things is that we also have that thinking about our own lives, right? You know, I talked about how we have this idea of like, oh, what are the simple things I can do, right? Treating sort of, you know, the, a, a planetary crisis that's changed the era of human civilization as a charity sure. we can set aside. But we also have yeah. that in our own lives. Like I can't tell you how many people I have talked to in my life who are like, great, so what do we do? Should we all move to Alaska? Like, you know, do you oh, have a bunker? Like, how? Every do, day. how do I do a thing right now that will just make this go away for me, even if it's an extreme thing? As long as it locks me back into certainty, right? Like, as long as I can say, if I built a bunker or moved to Alaska, you know, or invested all my money in clean energy or whatever the the thought is that a person's having, grow backyard food, you know, that that's going to return me to a state of certainty in my life, right? And that's not possible anymore, right? We have to, part of the difficulty here is we have to become native to the demands of this moment right? And one of those demands is that we, we are going to have to be dynamic and adaptive for the rest of our lives. That's just, well, for de- generations to come. That's just how it comes now. And sure. if it were as simple as, hey, you know, all you need to do is move to Alaska, right? Then it would be horrible, but it would be solvable, right? It, it wouldn't sure. be confusing and difficult. We wouldn't be in a discontinuity, we'd just be, you know, in pardon the language, a shit storm, you know? Sure, um, sure.
0: But a shitstorm storm ends and it's easy to understand and it's a thing you get over and it's a thing you get through. It's like strep throat, right? Exactly. It's, it's pretty clear. <laughs> it doesn't just yeah, keep exactly. fucking changing. And and that is the thing that we have to be ready for because this is how, I mean, this is how compound interest works, yeah. you know? Um, and the problem is what happens when compound interest is, uh, you know, is mixed with, uh, living systems upon we have not only relied but uh exploited the entire way so um i, I, I this is exactly where i want to go today right i i you've spent so much time and so much of your career like you said since since 1992 like on your first job when everyone's like no we get it uh, comparing the past to the present and comparing the present to the future and going these aren't the same and they won't be as long as we're around right yeah. so not only like documenting all that which is very important like everything that's changed in this relatively incredibly brief timescale of of modern humanity but also and again this is what I was saying offline like trying to look forward trying to extrapolate from the facts on the ground we have now as far as we can and. Asking questions about our options going forward, about our storytelling going forward, about how we measure things going forward, about how we, what our expectations should be, how we set our attitudes, how we build policy, how we talk to each other and what the second order effects all of, all of those things are. Because, I mean, I think especially, you know, like with kids, like trying to understand the unknowns in a lot of situations, is a fool's errand, and and this is obviously a very specific version of that. Um, but my goal, whenever I'm sort of welcoming people, uh, you know, to to the sort of funeral home that is the the climate movement at times, is is to be transparent and practical about look that okay, you've seen some shit either happen to you personally, or your your hometown, or where your parents are, or a loved one, or some species you care about, or a forest, whatever it might be. Welcome. Here's the real context behind that. But then also trying to be, and I find like this is so important to be as transparent, but also as practical as we can about what Mm -hmm. we, what's coming, but also what we still don't know. And I think, like you said in the email to me, like how unlikely it is that those unknowns might end up being advantageous to us. Um, But what it means to have to take on radical global uncertainty. And again, that is that is why people say, can't I just build a backyard garden and this is fixed? Can't I just go to Canada, which by the way, got bad news. It's not going great. What does it mean as a society for primaries in our election system, you know, for for all of these things? Because that is what living and I and I have I have transparently stolen this word, like living in a discontinuity is, is becoming comfortable, like you said, being in it, but being comfortable and now becoming a species and a business or a family or a person that is defines himself as being adaptable because otherwise it's just going to be mentally and spiritually and practically very difficult to get through this thing, much less to contribute to arresting it in any way possible. Um, so one of the things like I've loved in your, in your blog and podcast coming up, and I'm sure is going to be a big part of your book is you've written about how control, for example, which is exactly what, like you said, is how we've defined ourselves as these orderly transitions, um, whether it's in, in business or the stock market or, or Congress where we've got a bunch of people who've been in power for, for 40 plus years. Right. But that's inherently what we're just going to have less of and how it's just not an option any longer. And, It reminds me of, maybe you read this, uh, there's a new book uh, by uh, Mariana uh, uh, Mazzucato, I think is how you pronounce her name. It's called The Mission Economy. I'm familiar Um, with her work.
1: I haven't read that book.
0: Yeah, Yeah. it's it's really great. It's pretty new. And I'm going to just uh, very poorly and and vastly oversimplify it. But the the main thrust is essentially like we have to design policy and economies and and societies uh, to an extent to support those to reflect an achievable, measurable mission. What is the output, and what are the measurements we can take along the way? and uh, it reminds me of I was rereading some of your you know old stuff uh, and things you've said at like at, back at world changing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the opposite of these like corporate twenty fifty net zero pledges from like the fucking airlines, right yeah. with no intermittent markers along the way. so it's I think about so uh, just this week in in the um, in the reconciliation bill, they said we're going to do. Uh, one of the things that's included and will probably get cut is we're going to add dental and vision to Medicare. Great, that's an that's a measurable outcome. How do we? It's like Apollo, right? We're going to put a man on the fucking moon. Great. Everything else we do has to support that very clear, practical thing. And it's the same thing as not net zero, not some vague term that literally nobody can agree on, but just zero emissions. That's threshold. That's table stakes. That's an outcome that's not up for debate and everything else from how we fund it and who works on it and the decisions we make along the, time, uh, along the timeline, how dynamic we are, has to support and be able to stand up to that one thing. Again, from our societies to the cars we buy to debates, whatever it might be. My question is, is do you feel like we can do that? Do you feel like we can rewrite our policy making, our economies and our societies to do that. I think anyone younger than you and I has no other choice because they were born after 9-11 and they're like, this whole thing has to be redone. Like, we don't have a choice. I don't care about your investments because I'm not part of the stock market anyways. They're like, it's a zero sum game. But knowing what we know, how, how possible do you feel like that is? And how do we get ourselves to that point where we're willing to make those bets?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that the first question we have to ask ourselves um, is, what are we trying to do? Right? Yeah. What What's the goal? And I mean, we can say some things that we probably all agree on that, like, one of the goals is to have, you know, a, a long-lived, uh, you know, human civilization that gives many people the opportunity to live rich, full lives – um, you know, sure. is you know stable and equitable and whatever we you know we can we can have some some notions about what human goodness is, but sure. really the, the the critical thing is we don't know what the outcome we're seeking is, and we don't know that in very real terms because we haven't engaged with the reality of discontinuity, right? That really the number one step we face is understanding the right. situation we're in. Because sure. right now the number of people who understand it—I mean, I—I I sometimes half-jokingly say, you know, that you know, very few people, perhaps no one, has fully engaged with the reality of discontinuity. Right? It's hard to do, for sure. It's hard no. to do, but we're not built to do that. <laughs> no, we are built. Our brains are built the exact opposite way, right? We look for right. pattern and continuity, and but also sure. we are surrounded by a, a political and and uh, societal context that really values continuity. Um, It values the continuity, not of like the long continuity of humanity, but the continuity of what's making money right now. Like, where Mm -hmm. do people have their investments? You know, what's my property value? You know, how's my index fund doing? You know, how's the bottom line on the company, et cetera? And people really do not want to rock that boat. And we want to believe that there's something we can do. That will, that will maintain that fundamental continuity moving forward. And so we think about things like policy as the answer, right? We're going to get policy that's going to change us, sure. right? First we get the laws and then everything changes. But that is, uh, it, it's not working and it's not going to work because we, until we wrestle with discontinuity, we can't acknowledge that there are people whose interests radically diverge on this. Right. Yeah. Um, if we're being blunt, the interests of like you know uh, of coal miners and oil executives and you know Miami Beach real estate uh, developers diverge strongly from yeah. your interests and my interests and the interests of most people. Right. There's not a happy medium there. Right. The myth is we're going to bring everyone to the table. We're going to get everyone to agree, and then we're going to move forward. Right. In sure. an orderly way, and go from this you know, this, this world to a new world, a new normal that works better. And, you know, that, that leads to all sorts of problems, not least of which is it makes it very easy for people who don't actually want to change at all to sign up and say, we're part of the change, right? We're, we've set a net zero goal by 2050. We're going to be net zero. we We're you 100%. Know, and, and in the meantime, and we've trees. right. In the meantime, we've doubled, right. you know, recycling rates in the office, right? That's our right. first step. Like, you know, sure. and, sure. uh, you know, the absurdity of, uh, of, of of oil companies talking about their own carbon footprint, right? You know that kind of thing, and the yeah. you know the the reality is that uh, until we understand how temporary all the systems are around us, right, and how much torque is built up in the world around us, right, how ready to change almost everything around us is if it hasn't already changed and we're just ignoring it, um, until we understand that we can't design rational outcomes. Right? The first step here is understanding how different from our expectations the world has already become, right? The first step is the snap forward, right? And and you know, when we talk about things like how do we get Congress to act or how do we do these things? I don't believe that there is a way to fashion the politics, the culture, you know, the activism, the business practices, you know, the innovations that we need without first accepting the inherent conflict here between the need to move fast and acknowledge the truth and other people's need to move slow and their denial of reality right you have to you have to see that as built into it because that is that is why nothing has happened so far
0: you know yeah you know i think about it though and and you know not to be it's hard not to be kind of ruthless when you look at what's already happening and what's already baked in and how many people are already suffering or will and go okay i i understand that you have different priorities and different vested interests because of your your business or or your beliefs or whatever it may be but I, you know i don't have we don't have i don't have time and we don't have time to get you on board if you if you're not yeah, like like you said, we we we're not explaining it to anybody anymore. I mean, I wrote about this in our newsletter today. Like, we don't have the bandwidth to like convince anyone anymore. We're, that that's past. You get it or you fucking don't. Like, and if you like, if you don't, it's probably because again, you have vested interest, otherwise, or someone has. It's like you said, the largest uh, effort and mechanisms behind disinformation that's ever existed. Forget it. But I I do wonder if we we have to find some way to be proactively applying themselves to these things. And I think this is where a lot of this, the angst behind groups like Sunrise comes from, is going, um, yes, we need everyone to understand that there is a snap forward, uh, that we are a discontinuity that we are in and your investments already don't matter. And, and X and Y, but at the same time, like we had to do this stuff yesterday. And so we actually have to be acting in the meantime. And if you're not on board, then we just have to get to 51 votes type of thing. You know, it's, it's, yeah we could we could bandit. craft
1: we could craft a politics i mean we we could certainly craft an imaginary politics that would take sure. take us yeah, forward course. in enormous strides right i mean of course the 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 real secret here the the sort of open secret to all this is we already have so many amazing solutions right there's so oh many God. things we yeah. already know how to do solar is like
0: free
1: solar is essentially free yeah <laughs> i mean yeah. we're already at the, you know replacement rate for clean energy right it's cheaper to, sure. in many cases to shut down the fossil fuel asset than to continue to run it, you know, compared to the cost of building and then running a a clean energy asset. But, you know, that's true for efficiency. It's true for urban planning. We have amazing progress happening in terms of our understanding of ecological restoration. I mean, there are literally millions of people working very hard on creating good solutions and now have been for five decades. And some of those solutions are not just as good as what we have now in pure economic terms. They're better right? The only reason they're not being deployed and and taken up is because those who have slow interests have built a vast political machine to control the pace of their own defeat, you know? That is exactly what, I mean, honestly, one way to describe the Republican Party is a machine for climate predatory delay that also includes evangelical Christians. 100%, but
0: it also reminds me of 2010, and I remember sitting next to someone on a plane— who was arguing against what became Obamacare covering pre-existing conditions? And my only thought was, and again, this is where it gets dark: is oh, you must not have a family member with a pre-existing condition, because if you've if you have any connection to someone with one, the fact that they cannot go to the doctor besides the emergency room, which destroy like Americans going to the emergency room destroys our entire system in four hundred different ways. But if you're not exposed. If you were exposed to someone with a pre-existing condition in any way, there's no way you could vote against this thing unless you have just an enormous vested interest against it, right? You'd be arguing against your own personal human dignity, right? Against yeah. potentially well, and, and family and people, or friends you know, or whatever it can be. And people, that's where you see the Miami thing. People going, uh, you know, we're, we're moving here for Bitcoin and whatever it might be, and it's great, but your buildings are falling down and your foundation's made out of Swiss cheese. At some point, you're going to be exposed enough that you 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 have to get on board in some way.
1: Well, so you know, there's 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 an old there's an old saying that good strategy is about winning than fighting, right? You know. Sure. Um and I think in a very real way all good climate strategy, all good sustainability strategy is the same. That we are not going to first convince everyone, second come up with a plan and then third right. act. That, that that is the orderly transition model and it has yeah. already failed. It has zero chance yeah. of happening now. It is no longer possible to do that. What we're going to have is instead, you know, a whole set of conflicts and interventions where various folks who need new solutions to happen figure out how to make those solutions beat other existing practices. Right. And right. the one of the real problems with not being able to see the discontinuity is we don't realize that that is inevitable. That is inevitably yeah. going to happen across every single system in every single human society that doesn't completely fall apart. Some will. There are places that are going to be hit very hard in the coming decades mm-hmm. and are going to have a very hard time even holding on. But most of human society is not going to be hit that hard. And what we're going to see is a is that torque being released, right? And it's going to change. Um, You know, everything from investment decisions to policy choices to, like, our culture and the way we think about our own futures and our own lives, right, you know, to how the economy works, how we need to educate our kids, it's going to change. It is already beginning to change every single aspect of human society. And so, we have this idea that what we're trying to do, right, is like push this huge boulder of climate action, of, of, of sustainability up this really steep hill, and we just need to get more people behind it and push that boulder. If we can just bring more people up on board, we're going to get it to the top of the hill, and thank God, then we're right. good. But that's not the situation we're in. The situation is the boulder's already at the top of the hill, right, right. And, and we want it to roll down, and there's a whole bunch of people who are making money keeping it propped up you know at the top of the hill 100% like, yeah you know, holding it up there keeping it from rolling right? right and and the sooner it rolls the better it is for almost everybody in society right the only people for whom it is not better are those people who have you know slow investments slow you know slow uh priorities they can't get out of and frankly sure. that's a that's a small number of people and you know they're doing the wrong thing they're doing the wrong thing. They need to be, you know, our concern should not be focused on them. Our concern should be focused on our kids and their kids and our grandkids, you know, great right. grandkids. Like we should be thinking about who really benefits and who really loses. And how many people are, what, what's the greater good for the greatest number? And absolutely, the most rapid climate action, sustainability action, you know, the ruggedization of our systems and cities, you know, the the, the creation of sustainable prosperity, the acceleration of change, these are absolutely good for way more people, you know, billions oh, yeah. more people than, than slow progress, quote-unquote, would be. But also… Stuart Brand has that great quote that like the greatest good for the greatest number will always be about future generations, because most of the people who will ever live have yet. not yet been born. Right. Sure. And so if we're talking about what is right and fair and good, the immediate destruction of slow systems is what's right and fair and good. And and the rapid in you know implementation of sustainability solutions, you know, of ruggedization, of restoration, of the things we know how to do. And we know that those things by and large will leave us better off than what we currently have, right? And it's only the inability to see what we currently have as brittle, as about to fall down, as, you know, as in fact losing us money, et cetera, because of our current debate, the inability to see that makes it look like we're giving up prosperity and wealth for some crazy broken, you know, ecological future. But it's actually for most of us, the exact opposite of that. Sure. Right. We're yeah. giving up a system that's losing us money, that's exposing us to danger, that's like harming our children, right? That's making the planet unlivable and like human societies way more, you know, vulnerable and unstable for a world in which we have at least leveled off the threats to civilization and created the seeds for prosperity for a lot more people in ways that are more sure. ruggedized to the realities that we face today. I mean. I think the open secret of this moment is not how bad things are. It's how good they can get and how quickly if we sure. face up to reality, if we take that initial snap forward. Right. Um, so that, I mean, yeah, that's kind of and, where I'm coming from.
0: No, no, no. I, I agree with you. And, and this is the, the, when, when, when I, when, when I'm like, you know, people were asked the questions, they want to engage on these things or they say they want to engage. And I go like, you know, okay, how, how much time do you have and and how much you, you want to really get into this. and, and you have to start with this fact that, like you said, uh, how, okay, how do we get into a discontinuity and you dial it down to first principles We have based our and fought over and then decided upon uh, economies, societies and and geopolitics that are entirely dependent on and constructed on a single finite resource that powered the entire industrial revolution of the West, but also ruined everything and ruined everything in this incredibly unequal way. Uh, and we've had, we've, you know, it's, it, it's like when people talk about, uh, you know, uh, their ex partners and talking about ignoring red flags and things like that. It's like, we've ignored so many red flags. And then you get to something like COVID and, and Ed Young in the Atlantic had this great quote about, you know, it's like a flood going down a sidewalk and it's leaking into every crack that's been there along the way. And, and my version of that that I've harped on is, is essentially, you know, it, of course it started before this, but for, for mainstream Americans, March, whatever it was, 13th, 2020, whatever that Friday was, when everyone's like, I'm getting my kid out of school. That was our pop quiz. And that was our pop quiz. And the, the, the quiz was, what are all of the decisions that you as a society have made up to this point. Now we're going to see how they hold up. And we failed on most of them. And so many of them come down to, oh, this thing, this resource that you've built everything on, both by design and by necessity to the people in charge, which mostly look like guys like you and me, it made millions of people sick with pre-existing cardiorespiratory conditions. And now you've got this Relatively unique virus that comes along, and it's kind of like this perfect virus. It's less deadly than SARS, uh, which is good on one hand, but on the other hand, that means it can get spread everywhere, and it attacks our cardio, uh, respiratory, and cardiopulmonary uh, systems in, in these crazy ways. But if you've already got these pre-existing conditions, because we've got millions of black and brown kids that live within 30 miles of a coal plant or next to in Los Angeles, fucking untapped oil wells next to right. your school and your Freeways, house, yeah, exactly. you're already done. And that all comes back to that single thing, all the wars we fought, all these things. And like you said, we're not, yes, we're in this discontinuity now because of those things, because all of these things are way more connected than we ever anticipated. Um, it's not just Mark Wahlberg movies and and what it, what oil exploded in the ocean when it's, what does that do over time to every one of these systems? And like you said, this, this system that not that we want to build, that what we need to have started building forever ago, uh, is going to be so much better for so many people because in the past hundred years, all they've had is exposure to the worst elements of this thing. That's, that's for me is, is, is where I'm fine with these old institutions of power completely being dissected and crumbling. And I think uh, where so many of the young people feel the same way, yeah. all they have ever felt is elections that were lost is, poisoned air is poisoned water yeah. is just massive inequality. And they're like, I I like, you think I care about the stock market? Like I can't even invest in the stock market. And also most of your companies aren't going to exist through this discontinuity anyways. Yeah. You know, we have to, we have to tear the whole thing down. Cause this is the end of the beginning. This is version one, and it was a nightmare.
1: Uh, I mean, believe me, I am uh, <laughs> I am very sympathetic to the idea of you know burn it all down, right? Uh, sure. Uh, and of how, you we can't have do this just for transitions. Well, you know, you can't do this for 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 three decades like I have, and not right. you know have a, a deep reservoir of rage, you know, about yeah, how 100%. how horrible many of the decisions that have been made have been, and how much they've harmed people, how much they've harmed. Not just nature, but, but but people. I think it's really important. Again, though, to to understand that like we have a narrative here that this is an issue that it will be solved sure. by advancing changes, you know, um, and right. and by by creating policy and and right. and incentives that will move the ball forward until we've solved the issue, like we're trying to solve, you know, gun violence or racism, right? Sure, right, um, but. It's not an issue right we're yeah. not going to solve it And I think the idea that the first step is we sort of overthrow everything and then we right. then we fix it is uh, delusional. Um, sure. I, I don't think we're going to overthrow everything. I think that what we're going to have is a society that still has many of the exact same problems we have today, but is now responding to the realities of today. And Well, in that, a lot
0: of ways, they already are just because it's—look, I mean, you, you say who's leading the way on installing solar power and its businesses, not because they give a shit, but because it's better for the bottom line. Right. Like capitalism I mean, is still running the game. Way
1: more— way more people benefit from change now than benefit from delay way more people and that includes 100%. investors and companies and national governments 100%. you know etc it includes all the halls of power right the uh, you yeah. know there're slow nations but most nations are fast right there are, there are no, slow I, political I, parties but most political parties are, right. are are understanding that they that they need to start becoming faster and and sure. that you know the important thing to understand i think is that we still keep trying to grapple with this as something that we're going to find a way out of but it's not sure. a thing that we're moving through it just is reality now it just right? is and, yeah, and so we all of the questions that we had before still exist and they're not going away we're not going to like solve every societal issue with the with the you know with the move towards sustainability and ruggedization and sensible, sensible ideas, we're going to remain in a situation where some people are deeply disadvantaged and horribly, tragically compromised. In fact, many more people than today. But if we're also, for very smart, we're going to also live in a situation where billions of people are rising up out of poverty, where people have, even as they're exposed to greater threats, greater capacity to survive those with those threats and to withstand those threats with prosperity intact. You know that's the world that we're moving in, and it, it gets so. There's I have at least you know it sounds like you do too. Like I have such a desire for there to be a bad guy to defeat until we level up and level Always. up and get the big
0: boss and win. That's the way you we've know? been trained, right? Yeah, yeah. That's why. That's, that's why. Right. Like, and that was the look for 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 better or or worse, however way you felt it. This was the uh, and and I campaigned for him. The problem with Obama from the beginning, right, is that every and he has said this is that everyone put on him this completely untenable expectation for what he could be. And there were a thousand different versions of that. And in that case, it's impossible not to fail. And it's the same thing for, like, that's the hope version of finding the good guy that's going to save us all, right? And it's the same thing for for Biden winning and, and changing his most of his politics along the way and what's he going to do and hiring this all-star climate team along the way. And then you get mad because the Justice Department's being independent, but that's the whole point is we want it. Like, it goes on and on and on, right? We want it to be that simple. We want, like you said, gun control, right? God, I, I fucking hate guns. I'm so tired of the whole thing. We had, we had uh, uh, you know, Gutenberg on in, in his his daughter was mowed down in her school and you're just like melt all the guns down. And can we just fucking be done with this? Right. Yeah. That is also complicated, but it's a hell of a lot more simple than this. My point when I talk about these, these sunrise kids are, or, or I mean my kids who are white privileged kids and are going to be fine, but everyone else that has been marginalized the whole time and is, and is angry and, and grew up reading uh, hunger games, you know, is I not only want to want to, uh, be an ally to them as much as I can. My goal is is the the outcome. The means that we get there requires everyone, right? So it means empathizing with them and allying with them in the same way that when uh, CEOs or investors or founders or whoever VCs call me about w- how can I take advantage of this as an opportunity, right? On the capitalistic side. And because they're like, look, we were invested in all these things and they're all going south, whatever it might be. It's looking at them and like you said, going, these are the biggest markets that are ever going to exist and it's not even close. And these are the ways you can participate in those, whether it's investing or founding or something and whatever it is. And a lot of the Sunrise kids are going to hate that because they're like, fuck capitalism, burn the whole thing down. Sure. I'm like, no, I, I get not But isn't, isn't that I the
1: role it. of being young in our society is to be like, of course. look at, all, look at yeah. all the things that are fucked up. Let's change all this, right? You and know, they're more and, and,
0: justified than anyone's ever been. But, you know, yeah, and, it's you have we need everybody.
1: Well, I think that I uh, on the one hand, I agree. And on the other hand, I totally disagree. Please. Because I think that like yeah. the reality of this situation is that this crisis is a professional crisis, right? Most sure. of the decisions, in fact, almost all the important decisions about how things are changing or not in our society are made by people whose job it is to make that decision, right? Of course. and the
0: Like people, you talked about with the disinformation.
1: And, exactly. And the people who have you know, the power to influence those decision-makers, right, are also, by and large, professionals, right? You know, we're talking about classes of people who are, you know, on the one hand, there's like the billionaires and so forth, but just, you know, the top 10% in wealthy societies, right, are full of people who have assets, have political access, have education, et cetera. And that's like the top 2% of the globe, right? And so, on the one hand, yes, do we need everyone in, in a certain way? Yes. But in the reality is that that most of the job is going to get done by that top two percent of humanity, of course. and most of the job within that is going to happen, you know, be, with the people who who their actual work is to decide: do we build, you know, a, a solar farm or a new coal plant, right? Do we build yeah. a new highway or do we densify around a new rail line, right? Do we, you know, continue to do what we're doing now, or do we, you know? build a seawall and create a wetland and whatever to protect this city from rising seas these are the decisions that that make that make the world and i get frustrated and sometimes even pretty angry when people put on, for example, youth climate activists the responsibility to change things, because it's not their responsibility. They're doing exactly what they should do and they say, didn't hey, make this fucking mess. Well, and they have no power to change it. That's the thing. Yeah, we course. have to get real about power, who has power and who doesn't. And in our world, it's people with professional training, investable income, and political connections, right? And, you know, and good educations and so forth who who have the power. And, and yeah. generally that's older people you know not always but generally and generally it's people who are highly concentrated in the developed world and in the and in the parts of the of the developing in quotes world that are already pretty rich right like parts of China and parts of India you know there are of there are a lot of very wealthy people well we're the ones who are you, know, you and i are both in that group right and sure. we're the ones who are going to have to make these decisions and i think it it starts to really get obsessive and it becomes an obsessive belief in the power of truth-telling to bring on an orderly transition when that is not what's going to do it, right? A recognition of reality, like not the speaking truth to power part of it, but the recognition that this has already happened and now we need to adapt to it. That is, sure. that is the revolutionary breakthrough in terms of changing the the behavior of people whose job it is to make these decisions, you know? And and I get, I get very frustrated, not because I don't believe in, you know, in climate justice or in youth activism or, or et cetera. Of course, I believe in these things. I've spent my entire life fighting sure. in many ways for these things. But we let ourselves off the hook. People like you and I and the people listening to the show and our friends and colleagues and, you know, bosses and so forth, we let ourselves off the hook. By saying, we need everyone, blah, blah, blah. What we really need is we need us. We sure. need the people no, who fully. have the power to make the decisions to make the decisions, you know? Absolutely. And, yeah,
0: that's and, the only thing that's going to get it there. I mean, look, yeah. the entire United States, I mean, we we mythologize this all the time, but, but you know, the future of the United States, uh, as much as the, as Rob wrote about a couple weeks ago, like as much as the green vortex, as he put it, has worked the past, you know, decade almost inadvertently. Uh, but thank God it, it it has made so much progress. Uh, you know, it comes down to this one senator from West Virginia, or, or the one uh, it turns out very moderate senator from from Arizona. And and as much as uh, look, I, I'm for the kitchen sink approach. Like this is why I pick up the phone when someone calls and says, "Jesus Christ," and says something dark like, w- w- what what can my company do to benefit from COVID?" And I'm like ignoring the fact that, like, you're a sick person. Um, you know, <laughs> here he, here are the things, because if I can at all turn them into being a benefit in some way because they have the levers of power, then I will do whatever I can to do that. And it's the same thing for getting that 51st vote. If, it, if, if the whole pie is, as they are, li- I think still right now, these uh, Sunrise LA kids have been camped out on Feinstein's doorstep for, like, three days. If that is part of it, as well as Whatever donors have to donate to her, or get her to retire, or whatever it might be, I'm again the whatever the means are to get us there. Great, the climate justice part, it's all of it, but we we cannot like I, I think the the point, not to put words in your mouth, we're, but what you're getting to is like we would be, especially folks like us, would be so naive to think that fundamental systemic societal change or even human change just happens because we are marching in the streets is not how it works. I mean we how many how many black people have been killed in the streets for so many years? Millions of people marched last year. Millions of people across the entire world, tens of millions of people and and one guy barely got justice for kneeling on videotape on a guy's neck. That's what it took to get to that point. Like barely. So the idea that we're going to get rid of capitalistic society is is it's incorrect and it's black or white. That's not the way it's going to work, but I will do whatever it takes to like, I, I've always put just nudge the needle of progress as far as we can every time. Because I think, mm-hmm. I think any anticipation that we're going to do more than nudge it is naive. But I also think that if you, it's the, what, what is the Japanese tenant? Uh, you know, 1% every day gets looks, doesn't look like much, but over time it adds up. You know, we have to do these things every time. And any win we get in on a state level, on a local level, on a federal level, international level for these non-binding treaties, whatever the thing is, I will push every day, whatever the stakeholder is. Because like you said, these people don't have power. They can camp out on our doorstep and it's great. And I support it. And any of these people are like, great, I'll send 200 bucks a month to Sunrise. Okay, great. But what can, what can what is your company capable of doing? You know, what is your what who are you close to that you can influence? Because I will be ruthless and vigilante about getting us wherever it takes us uh, yeah. to get there.
1: You know, so I I totally, you know, I I am with you. Um and at the same time, I think one of the one of the things that I that I'm trying to help folks see is that our idea of how change happens, our model of change. Is built on a model of 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 trying to you know nudge forward, push forward progress on specific issues, right? Sure. And this is not an issue. What we face is not an issue. Right. It can't be fixed through activism. It can't be fixed through no, policy. of course not. Right. It can't be fixed. But like, but it also we can't respond those ways through the kind of power that we're able to marshal in these narrow avenues. Right within a you know within activism that is at best partially effective, especially when done by people who have very little power other than the power of showing up, and you know, but also that can't be done in policy arenas where predatory delay and civic sabotage have pre-limited the outcomes available to such an extent that those outcomes no longer include what we need to do. Right, you can't win the fight because the fight is already set up to be lost. Right, you can't fight and win let me hear or me, further hear me if
0: they've literally changed the fight right hear me out exactly
1: um you know that that you cannot fight to win because the situ- the the victory condition is no longer contained within the game right 100% um and so the 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 problem we face right is that the is that the situation is that the world has already changed to a degree very few of us if any of us are really capable of grasping. It has already, right now, while we're talking. And everything around us is still oriented towards the previous understanding of the world, towards the old systems, the old ways of doing things, including activism, including politics, right? And so part of the challenge is having to understand that the recognition of that reality is itself incredibly disruptive, which is why so much effort has been spent to keep us from recognizing it, to keep us from discussing it, right? And it is disruptive not only to the people who have a stake in preventing change, but also it's disruptive to all of us who've acquired professional expertise or social standing or, or oh, political yeah. power.
0: enjoyed democracy, yeah.
1: It, well, I mean, yeah. Who who are benefiting from the way that things are set up, right? Sure. And we have a lot of triangulation in our society where people are like, well, you know, we're going to do this part now. Right? You know, big goals down the road. We all want, you know, sure. uh, net zero, but we're going to do this part now. And people who are experts in doing this part now, but doing this part now has become part of the way we deny the reality of our situation, that we don't face sure. the reality that we are already in this massive discontinuity where everything we thought we knew no longer works. And right. where we do have a lot of good ideas, a lot of knowledge, a lot of insight into what we can do next. Right? But we have to begin with the understanding that we're not going to change what we have into what needs to happen. It's already in discontinuity. It's already disrupted. It's in upheaval. Yep. And so what we're building is something out of that dy- dynamic, right? And that's a very different task than having people sit in at you know Feinstein's office, right? I mean, that may or For may sure. not be helping. Um, it certainly, I don't think it does any harm. Um, right. but, but we need to understand that what's already happened right? We're not yet prepared for what's already happened. And a big part of what I'm trying to say with the Snap Forward is that if we want to understand how to be effective in the world, we have to understand first when we are, right? We have to get to when, when we are and act from that premise. And that's so much of what we're trained to do about this situation is ineffective, not because we're bad people or or it was badly intentioned or that you know it was a stupid idea when it was created but simply because it's of a different world it's so from a world sure. we no longer live in and and so you know a lot of what's going to need to happen in my point from my point of view is that we're going to need to win a whole lot of fights right you know win a whole lot of battles and then go back and fight to have it integrate into a better society right sure. we don't have time to like take it stepwise and hope that in right. 20 years policy comes through that brings us forward because in 20 years we'll live in a whole nother planet yet, yet
0: again. Oh, of course. Right? Oh, of course. And People ask me all the time. They're like, what do you think college is going to look like in 10 years? I'm like, Oh, this is the, the <laughs> we're, we're, for, forget. Like, you think that's the thing that's going to change? Like it's, it's wild, man. Did you read, hmm. um, or see, um, I'm sure you're familiar with Eric Holthouse, Sure. Yeah. Uh, meteorologist and writer. He wrote a great book last year called the future earth. Um, and I, I really enjoy it because it, well, it doesn't it's not as as necessarily uh, aggressive as as probably even our conversation today. But the first part of it does set up like, look, this is what's baked in and is already happening. But this is the earth we can build over the next 40 years. It's going to be very rough, especially these and he sections it off by decade. The next 10 and the 10 after that, and actually that that second beat is actually gonna probably be the worst of it but if we make monumental encompassing overwhelming progress along the way here's the little benefits we might start to see for more people than have ever had help before and past that what that might look like but it's important to acknowledge in every step and i think he does a really good job of like you're saying like this is this just is which sounds like something from the bible right like this is what it is right now And this is what it is for as long as it's you and I certainly will ever know and and our children and their grandchildren is overwhelming, fundamental 30,000 feet down to ground level change. And not just once, not just twice, but over and over and over. And some of that's going to be very difficult to comprehend. It's like the first time you're in Berkeley that you've ever uh, earthquakes that shake are scary. Earthquakes where the ground rolls. I don't know if you've been one of those. Sure. Yeah. Those are the ones that fuck with your head because our lizard banes aren't really programmed to think that the earth can move underneath right. your feet. And that is, you know, it's right. not why are uh, there waves I, the, on the ground?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's right. it's, yeah. it's yeah.
0: It it doesn't add up and that's what a lot of this is, but not that we can control earthquakes, but it's it's we can build this much better thing, but the old way of doing it which I fully agree with. Uh, And and I think we probably uh, agree on on more we're letting on here is that which is just like, it's going to require not just everything we know how to do, but acknowledging that most of that's not going to work. And so how do we do everything within the scope of what actually might be possible?
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, again, part of what I'm trying to do with the Snap Forward is to help us move our thinking into a new place. Right. And, you know. Uh, I like Eric's work um he interviewed me for that book uh you know um I think it's a good book uh but there's a challenge which is it verges on what you know what I call safe utopias right and 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 a safe utopia is a place where we solve our problems right without having to address fundamental conflicts that exist in our society right where where the, the problems resolve themselves through bringing everyone together safe utopias are an essential part of the idea of an orderly transition, right? That we can get to an end point where everything's going to be better for people. No matter, you know, yes, things have changed permanently. We live in a new world. But everything's going to be better for people because we come together, right? And and I am, you know, 100% pro coming together. But I also think we have to acknowledge that conflict is baked into every aspect of the problems that we're facing now, right? That this Also crisis just who we are. Who we are, but also, I mean, certainly, and there, there's competition, and and you know, and and, and the desire to you know gain power and status over others. These are major human drives. But like, but also just that every system around us has somebody who is going to fight as long as they can to keep things the same way because it's good for them, right? And that there's no way that we're going to talk those people out of giving up their power because so many of them have held on for so long that there's no transition there. Sure. Right? You can't yep. transition coal now, right? There's no way to right. get the, save the coal industry. Yep. The only thing right. we're doing with coal is shutting it all down as soon as right. we possibly can. Right. Right. So there's no way to bring like coal interests and people who care about the planetary future to the table together and agree on an outcome. Sure. There's just no way that's ever going to happen. It's a zero-sum conflict because of how long we've waited.
0: Unless that outcome is, how do we just, we have to start by acknowledging that coal is over and go from there.
1: Yeah, I mean, but even, I mean, we could have a whole discussion about the coal industry, right? Oh God, Because I Uh, I think that actually it's one of the biggest mistakes progressive politics has made is identifying coal miners as as an emblem of climate justice. I think it's catastrophic to our thinking because they're not. Right when you sure. are the person doing the crime, right? You are yeah. not a victim of that crime. No well, matter, You've also
0: known you've you been know, part of it for 25 years. Like it's not. We're, this is uh, exactly. The old days there,
1: anymore. there, there have been so many offers on the table, so many opportunities to do things differently. And so, anyway, but that's a whole other issue, right? I'm the, with the, you. The point that I'm trying to make is that we we really want there to be ways in which this resolves itself back into continuity into a new stability into orderliness True. that it all makes sense again that we all are in it together but that's not the world we live in now right we live in yep. a world that is disorderly that's you know that is full of upheaval and discontinuity that you know where we are not going to arrive in our lifetimes at a new normal Right? right for the rest of our lives right. part of the nature of our lives is to not have a normal that we can just go well this is how things are so i'm just going to plan for that right that sure. is the real crisis right the real crisis right. is that's the way things are now and we're not admitting it right that is the right. fundamental <laughs> part of the crisis is like the world is already disorderly discontinuous you know there is no transition there's no new normal there's no safe harbor at the end of this there's just Building a society that can live within the new era that we've created, or not.
0: Right, and that's what I mean. I I mean, I think normal then is if 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 you use like a definition of what is your ex, like can there be an expectation? And if you want to call that normal, the expectation needs to be unpredictable or unpredictable, uh, complete upheaval, Uh essentially. And and that's just what you're I mean, everything comes down to setting expectations, right? I mean, yeah. whether it's whether it's profits or participation. I mean, that's well, that's the what more we're-
1: people who engage in a snap forward, the more people who take on like thinking about when we actually are and what that means, sure. the faster we're gonna find good solutions and be able to figure out how to assemble all these amazing opportunities we have and solutions sure. and better ways of doing things into new models that work right sure. it's just we can't expect that the measurement of success of that is that we restore a new normal because right. it's not in our capability at this point maybe our kids will maybe our great grandkids will but it's not in sure. our capability now and that's not the win scenario for humanity the win scenario for humanity is we minimize the damage we minimize the suffering and we elevate possibility right i mean that's
0: sure. the win scenario 100% 100% i, I mean that's yeah, we, we can't change what age we were born into, but this is this is the job we've signed up for, which is just to begin, uh, begin the proactive undertaking of the transition as much as we can control it, which is very little. And the old ways not only don't work, but just don't apply in any way anymore. So uh, work within the systems uh, where it's necessary. I mean, we, for instance you have to pass this reconciliation bill to do anything. But what is literally the next step past that? And it has to be something that's just fundamentally different. Yeah, I gotcha. So listen, uh, we always want to end with specific action steps that people can take. And obviously, this is a much more philosophical talk than a lot of ours. But I, if you could spend a little time talking about, again, like what are the specific places, the the specific questions people can ask representatives, for instance, the people with the power, or the specific places they can go to educate themselves or to level up so that they can feel like they are actually starting to, again, snap forward to acknowledge that we are in a disc. besides the fact that they already listened to this fucking show, like that they're in a discontinuity. I mean, they already signed up for this thing. So where can we go? How can we get more people on board and rolling with this thing?
1: (sighs) Yeah, well, I mean, you know, uh, one easy answer is uh, folks can sign up for my newsletter, which is uh, free and is available uh, on Substack, uh, alexsteffen.substack.com, or you can Google the Snap Forward. Um, and, you know, a lot of what I do in the newsletter or if folks want to support the, 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 the newsletter, they can get a free po- or a paid podcast as well uh, mm-hmm. for subscribers. Um, and a lot of what I'm doing in both of those is trying to explore these questions. How do we think about it? What do we know? And I, you know, I do along the way, both there and in my Twitter feed, which is just at Alex Stefan. Try and uh, refer to informative things that I've found. Right, like I, I do try mm-hmm. and uh, I try and do a lot of spotlighting of good stuff, stuff that's mm-hmm. interesting to think about. Um, I think that the biggest thing people can do, other than starting, you know. There's, there's the, you know, George Clinton mind free, uh, line, free your mind and your ass will follow, right? I think <laughs> right. starting by freeing our minds and understanding that we live yeah. in a discontinuity is the biggest thing any of us can do. But sure. after that, you know, one of the things that we can all aim for is uh, having informed discussions with people in our lives, whether those are our elected representatives or our neighbors or our best friends or our colleagues Where we start to talk about these things, not as something, not as an issue we have to do a thing on, right? Not like, hey, do we have a climate giving program or what's your policy on climate, right? But as as a change in the world, we need to adapt to right? Um, a thing that we need to now respond to as as a center of what's going on. And I think the more people who are even asking those questions… Right? Including in our own families, right? Um, yeah, you know, hundred percent. How do we figure out if where we're living is a good place to stay? How are we going to talk with our kids about what's going on, right? You know, how, how are our kids being educated? Are they being educated to understand the vastness of the discontinuity they're going to live their lives in, in a way that they're able to process, right? Um, right. In an age-appropriate and, you know, caring kind of way. Um in our professional lives are we acquiring the skills we need are we making the investments with whatever resources we have in the kinds of things that are going to you know thrive and prosper and make a difference in the in the world ahead right in the sure. new right you know or or aren't we and if so you know like how do we figure that out you know but also even in our own i think in our own lives trying to understand the what's going on around, on around us not just as tragedy right but but as change you know that has tragic elements it has loss you know True. but it also has growth and we can't see the growth because it's hard for us to see when we are right we can't see the possibility we can't see the opportunity but to my mind one of the most important things that we can do is when we wake up in the morning and this thought hits us to ask what is opening up for us, not just what's closing down, right? We're losing sure. species, we're losing ecosystems, cities will be destroyed, people will be impoverished, bad things are happening. But what else is happening, right? Because the fact is, once you start, once you leave behind the assumption that we're gonna protect all these old systems that are already broken, you know, that we're gonna have a, a, an orderly transition, once you leave that assumption behind, all sorts of possibility opens. Well, we could build better societies. We can build sure. materially better economies. You know, we can do things to protect cities. We can do things to welcome refugees. We can do things to, you know, safeguard ecosystems. Um, the, 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 the number of things we are capable of doing and doing to our own benefit are enormous, right? I mean, sure. it's, again, it's the open secret is not how bad things have gotten, but how good they can get. Um, right. And so, I think, you know, trying to center ourselves emotionally or, you know, spiritually, if people come at things that way, in that idea, what's opening up? How good can things get? And how can I be an agent in bringing that on? Um, I think I think that's an important thing to do. And uh, changes how you look at life. It makes things, it, it creates a source of of positive energy and a place to put your love. You know.
0: Yeah, I'm fully with that. I mean, you know, one of our biggest things is 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 it is um, it is. At, at the very least, ineffective to take action without as much context as you can garner. That's both reputable and informed, and and worldly and and empathetic. Certainly, um, and I and I hope this conversation. And I love your newsletter and your podcast. I'm a big fan, and I've learned so much from you over the years. Um, so I can't wait for the book. But so can't recommend that enough. But it it does matter, folks. And and setting your expectations, if nothing else, um, even if that expectation is to expect change. Uh, at every turn and often we won't be able to understand it at least at the beginning um, is, is necessary. But like you said, we won't just build these new orderly things. We have an opportunity to do things that we've just never done before. Mm -hmm. You know, we have never done immigration right. We have never done power right. We've never done these things. And I, and, and when I say right, I mean, in a just way, in a way that is all inclusive, where, you know, Water and air and and shelter and food are those are table stakes. Doesn't matter. That's what we do. We we don't do that in any way anywhere, and we can start with those. Um, mm-hmm. But we have to acknowledge mm-hmm. they're going to be more challenged than they ever have before in ways we can never comprehend again. Yeah. Um, but it is our job, like you said, of this generation to to begin to change the thinking for folks, for ourselves, and for everyone else, so that we can take those on in the most effective way we can. Exactly. Um, yeah. I know you got to get out of here. I, I really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Absolutely, thanks for having me on, man. It's it's
1: it's really great, and um, I really appreciate the the support and the encouragement uh, that you that you've shown. And you know, let's let's keep in touch.
0: Thanks to our incredible guest today, and thanks to all of you for tuning in.